This episode of Craft Sanity is sponsored by Diane Hoffman, owner of bsquarefabrics.com, a great source of fabric for the modern crafter featuring Japanese and modern designer quilting fabrics. This episode is also sponsored by June Faf Daily, a graphic designer and mixed media artist who sells a variety of whimsical products at www.junefafdaily.etsy.com and also blogs at junefafdaily.blogspot.com. Find links to both of these sponsors at craftsanity.com. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 90 of the Craft Sanity podcast. This interview that I recorded a little while ago with Anna Maria Horner. She came back for an encore performance here to talk about her new book, Seems to Me 24 New Reasons to Love Sewing. She photographed it, wrote it, did all the illustrations for it, for the project. You won't be disappointed. I know I wasn't. I'll be back at the end to uh, let you know how you can get in the drawing to win her book. Let's get to that interview. The interesting thing about doing this book, I started to realize early on, is that, um, of course, I worked with a publisher. Wiley was um, great to me um, as far as letting me take part in the design process and the look of the book. I mean, we did have a book designer, and we did have a layouter, of course. I'm not going to do all that, and I don't pretend to know even what works best as far as book design, because it really is a whole other art form. It's just a different game altogether, but what, what, what I realized that was different is that here, <laughs> after I sent back about 10 different styles that they <laughs> sent to me, <laughs> I realized that these poor publishers are working with a designer and not just an author, you know? Right, so right. I'm sure that they work with authors all the time. They're like, yeah, it looks great. Oh, wow, that's good. You know what I mean? And so when they're working with someone who's possibly more, more visually discerning than your average author on other subjects, then um, it, it was probably a pretty different process for them. But one that um, I kind of learned a lot, actually, as far as, like, what makes nice layout and stuff like that and what works well with a book. And um, and what was what I found most rewarding is that they really tried very hard to kind of understand my aesthetic. And, and they looked really hard at what I do design-wise, my blog and my website and, um, you know, fabrics and other projects, and really tried to evoke my look, if you will. And it, it was kind of one of the first times that I really felt like, oh, wow, do I have a look? I think I do. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. There were people out there trying to accomplish it for me, and um, I think they did a beautiful job. So, Yeah, and I think one of the things that makes for a really great craft book is when the photos and the images, you know, when you flip through, because that's what people do in bookstores, you know, when they go in, they'll flip through the book, and it has to be visually appealing to really, I mean, because there are some old books, and we all have some old books on our shelves that are just great because they're Very technical. They're just fantastic books, great yeah. instruction. But today, to be competitive in today's book market, you, you have to not only have good instructions and good projects, but they have to look good in the photos. And because that's what all these books are trying to do. And I think um, you definitely accomplish that. The photography is beautiful as well. And I totally agree. And 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 not just because. And and understanding that was a big part of just my being incredibly picky about this. And also because even though I was writing a gazillion words, more than anything, this is still a visual product for me, like everything else that I do. It's still a visual package that you want to, you know, walk into and be part of. And um, so I think that, I think too that people buy books so much for inspiration Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people that are talented and understand how to do a lot of basics and and can really just look at an image of of a garment or a quilt and totally get how to do it without ever having to read the instructions. So it's kind of like having magazines around, you know, for interior designers of how to do a room. Right. You don't need an instruction book to do it. So knowing that a lot of people buy books based on inspiration and not for every specific little step um, also has a great deal to do with, you know, my desire to make it as beautiful as I can and as inviting as I can. So... Well, I think you accomplished that. And so as far as the photos go, I mean, how long did you spend getting, you know, working to get these shots that are in the book? The shots? I can't even quantify the hours on that, but probably as much as the writing. Okay. (laughs) I mean, um, there were just, it was very different, obviously, than blog photography, you know, Um, knowing that something was going to have to get printed. um, There was just, I would say for every final shot that you see in the book, there are no less than anywhere between 80 to 150 shots 
that I chose from for each. Wow. So every time I would go to do a shoot, very seldom would I try to shoot more, you know, get, get, if I could get, if I could spend a day shooting and get two final photos, that was a good day, or three final photos was a great day. So um, sometimes I would just get frustrated and stop and start over and, 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 and do it a different way. And um, But I think that, again, I think that, and I guess a lot of photographers are like this, but and I don't actually even consider myself a photographer at all. <laughs> but I think that um, being an artist and um, having a visualization of how I want something to be definitely worked in my favor with the photography because I had the image in my head, and I didn't, I, I didn't leave a lot to, um, didn't leave a whole lot to just chance on, on how the photograph would be set up. It, it was really just like, laying out a composition just like a painting or a fabric design you know I I, I I could see the I could see the cropping I could see the borders I could see the image composition and everything before I would go to it and you know I could see the barn in the distance I could see the angles of things so um, so and sometimes I'd lay in bed and, and think about oh this needs to be photographed this way or that way and a lot of them it, it just took me weeks and weeks and weeks before I before I understood or had the vision of how I wanted that to be um, one project or another to be photographed. And so I would just kind of sit on it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, they eventually all spoke to me and told me how they wanted to be done. So. Well, the thing that I think is really great is not only, I mean, your voice comes through, especially in your introduction, um, the voice that people are used to reading and, and hearing through your blog and when right. you do these interviews. And it's like it really comes through. I mean, this book has you all over it, you know. I've yeah. I, um, Sometimes people, um, if they don't have photo skills or they, you know, might not be uh, able to take the project and be as involved as you've been with not only the writing but the, you know, project design and the, you know, the figures and how to, how to, you know, the little images, because you drew all those also, right? The um, steps, um, illustrations. Yes. Okay, so you've done the photo. three times as many as you see. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I illustrated every single step in the book. Oh, my goodness. And turned it in and, and waited until, like, you know, the flower fell through the sifter before we decided what, what illustrations absolutely had to be in there because there's not enough space for all the illustrations. So, yeah, yeah, I'm always working three times harder than I need to. Well, I seem to make things complicated for myself, too, so I can totally relate to you and totally understand how that could easily happen. Um, yeah. So how, many, how long did you actually spend working on this book? When did you start this project? I actually started the project. I can't remember if we talked about this last time we spoke, but I think started, we did talk about it a little bit. A yeah. little bit, yeah. And I think I may have mentioned, so I don't want to dwell on it too long. I think I may have mentioned that originally the publisher came to me and asked me to write a specific title that they already had a proposal for. Right. It was supposed to be part of a series. As part of a series that had already begun. Um, they had. It's a series called Not Your Mamas, and they had Not Your Mamas beating, Not Your Mamas knitting, stitching, so on and so forth. And they had offered me either the quilting title or the sewing title, I guess, and. Um, and while I wasn't horribly thrilled with someone already having the format of a book together, because each of the books, they were formatted similarly. You right. Know. So there was already kind of a structure. It was already a structure. But I thought to myself, I thought, well, you know, I don't need to be too cocky with the first book. I think this is a good thing to get my feet wet on, you know, and, and just get to know the, the process of, um, you know, writing for a book format well and, um, so I, um, I took it on and I wrote half of it <laughs> and what it was, was that title was much more, um, it, very technical and very, um, extremely con comprehensive in terms of sewing technique and skills and all these different things and kind of like a little girlfriend's guide to sewing, a little okay. mini encyclopedia of sewing type thing and much less visual, which drove me insane and I kind of lied to myself through the whole process telling myself it was okay that it wasn't very visual <laughs> <laughs> and um they so I turned so let's see I signed the contract in this coming February will be two years so I signed the contract in February of 07 and I had worked on that all summer um turned in half the manuscript and so I I mean it took me about nine to 12 months to actually write seems to me okay and, and what what happened was that um you know I turned in half the manuscript and they were like this is great in fact we like it so much we think you should do your own back <laughs> you know oh geez so that was wonderful and very validating and um I would have been very intimidated 
by the freedom had I not gone through that first process. Um, I think it would have been too daunting for me to, as I developed that other title, half of it, I really, that's when I started understanding what I would want a book to be. I didn't really know before, you know? Right, right. Um, I'm not a huge book buyer. And so, and then once I got asked to do one, I sort of wouldn't let myself go look at other books. Not because, I mean, I guess in some ways for fear of being too influenced one way or another, you know what I mean? And right. I'm, I'm a little bit like that just with design, too. I don't look at a ton of fabric design, you know what I mean? I'm probably... I'm probably less um, less well versed on what's actually out there, fabric design wise, than than your average sewer, you know. <laughs> right. Because um, I just don't really look that much. But I mean, I'll you know, it's always a, a random assortment of inspirations, but um, and not necessarily born out of other fabric designs. So I mean, I felt that way a little bit about books too, as I kind of wanted to be very self directed with it. But anyway, so an extremely long process, not a very typical one, <laughs> but. Um, it just came to it together just the way it should. It was exhausting, though, and I just have to believe that, you know, next time around that um, it'll be a lot easier to write just one book and not two. <laughs> right, because you'll have your idea. I know this kind of yeah, go with that. there was the- some of the, uh, the, the content, obviously, that translated into my technique section and stuff like that um, and, and a good handful of projects that translated. But like I said, taking on this whole thing as a very – a uh, visual media was was the new part and the exciting part for me, definitely. Well, and I think that's your forte too. I mean, because you're really, I mean, you're you're a designer, so the visuals are such a key part of your everyday work that you do. So it makes sense, and right. and I think um, it does come through that you did some research and uh, on techniques and how to present that because it sounds like since you're not a big you know someone who has like a big wall of like sewing books that you refer to no. constantly you kind of just do your thing um i'm very I, self-taught <laughs> but the thing is i mean i think you did a great job of um i mean because there's some things that i'm i'm self-taught too for the most part um yeah I, well, I mean i think most sewers are you know I, but i learned several things though reading this, and i'm like whoa okay i didn't really ever consider that that's wonderful to know good to good. know so yeah so it's it's fun and i think you wrote it in a way that um it's 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 conversational so it's not like okay because i don't know about you but i feel i don't i never read like the sewing machine manual and i totally should i mean because there's things that i end up jamming up my machine and right. had i taken time to actually look at the manual I probably could have avoided the damage that I sometimes cause my machine. Well, yeah. the, the problem the, the problem is that these things are, and I blame I blame the the, the manufacturers, right? That's it's not right. my it's fault. fault. It's not my fault that I'm not taking I'm careless and not taking it's the time to study. But the, I think a lot of times where they turn off the consumer is when you know the manual is just so it's written in a way that you know it's so mind-numbingly boring that you can't take it. But yeah. I mean, the thing that it's nice is you're actually able to appeal to the limited the the limited t- attention span of people who just want to get out there and do a project quickly the um explanations you're giving they're short enough that you can actually you know you can get through it quickly and it's written in a nice fun way that it's not like oh my gosh right. i can't believe you know and, I, and that's good because we all need that because we're not we're not reading our manuals and right. we're, <laughs> we just want to hurry up and start sewing there. <laughs> yeah we just want to sew that's all we want you know yeah and, and it's just the um it was real important to me that while i to mention at least in a few places in the book and hopefully just the mood with which it's offered is that this is just one person's way to do it. Mm -hmm. This is just me sharing how I do it. And it's not right or wrong or, you know what I mean? Because there's so many ways to do the same thing. Right. And I love seeing how other people do the same thing. Even if I'm doing it, you know what I mean? I've learned a lot even writing the book. I mean, I learned a lot because, I mean, I did a little research on different tools and things like that because I'm a real minimalist when it comes to, um, gadgetry for my sewing studio you know I mean I'm, I use a paintbrush to poke straps through and you know things like that I don't use a bodkin you know <laughs> I mean, there's, there's lots of tools and things like that that I just like I actually had to research and see what was out there that was a real important and very time-consuming component for me was to actually look and see what's out there because um I wasn't very well aware to be quite honest with you because um like I said I mean the way that I was taught to sew from my mom and she basically just let me go and do it on my own. And so you just, you learn to develop, you just learn to envelop, develop your own techniques that um, sometimes work out better than the tools that are intended to help you do them. You know? mm-hmm. Well, I was in the sewing store recently. Well, I, I say I was as if I had just stopped in once or twice. I'm in there all the time. But right. <laughs> let's just be yeah. honest. I live there. But um, I saw that they were trying to sell, um, it was just like a, a little stick. Look, you know, I use a, um, I've used a chopstick if it's something that I have to, 
you know, turn, you know, turning something right side out and right. all the stick in there. Whatever, you use a paintbrush, whatever you can get, you know, to, to work. Well, they were selling this thing for like $5 and yeah. it was just a piece of wood. And I'm like, whoa, I can totally see that, you know, people would spend money on that and you could just use a paintbrush or whatever. I mean, it's great that they have these tools available for people that, you know, are, are you know, not having a paintbrush on hand and want to just kind of totally step, right. you know, but it's great to have, um, you know, I think to hear people say, Hey, well, I use a paintbrush, you know, it's like, right. and it also frees people up to think that they the don't have to go out. Or, yeah. I remember my mom, my mom always had a wooden spoon down in her sewing space. Oh yeah. yeah that's a wooden spoon to turn things. Yeah. And it's and spank me if I did something. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what a, um, a, a multiple use, uh, little tool there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the good thing about it too, is because now, I mean, people um, may not have the money to go out and buy every single tool and you do well, tell people, it. Hey, I you don't, don't have to buy all that. this. I yeah. I don't encourage going broke to sell. Yeah. Save your money for fabric. <laughs> exactly. Cause that's, that's where the fun comes in. Yeah. It's picking the fabric, but, um, well for you, I mean, you said you had to go out and research some tools and, and you're not big into gadgetry, but is there anything that you discovered while you're researching this book that you now is like kind of a must-have tool for you? Or are you still kind of sticking to the minimalist approach? No, not really. Um, I probably use interfacings a little bit more than I used to. Okay. Um, and I probably am more of a careful clipper. <laughs> okay. Now that you've explained to people and how to clip, <laughs> all the different kinds of clipping, and fr- even French seams are in here. I have not done any French seams, but I'm like, French oh. French seams are wonderful. Now, they look so pretty. Long time. That is my favorite seam. Yeah, they look so pretty. And um, if, if a seam can look pretty, it's a French seam. I know? really do like pretty seams, I have to say. Yeah. But, um, I make things for so many different purposes. Sometimes they're just for quick photo shoots. Sometimes they're for personal use. Other times they're for gifts. Other times they're for, you know, display. Um and I will finish my seams based on the level of necessity and all that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm going to use it, I'm going to finish my seams because I don't want it all torn up in the washing machine and um, shredding everywhere. But um, very oftentimes, if I'm doing things for quick photo shoots or display or even for this book, to be quite honest, I, I you know, I don't finish seams. And I have a serger, and um, so that's an easy way to do it. But I did want to – I thought that was – there were so many things that I wanted to write for this book that, of course, couldn't fit and that we cut – but the section on finishing seams and seam allowances was very important. I wanted to give a comprehensive offering on all the different ways that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's like a key thing that really bugs people because a lot of us don't have surgers. Right. And, um, and I think that that's something that makes you feel good about like when your house is clean, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you I can't remember the last in, time my house was clean, but yeah. <laughs> feel good about your final sewing product. Yeah. Some of the seams are finished too. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> right. Added. It's like wearing matching underwear. Yeah. <laughs> you just feel totally put together. Yeah. You feel put together inside and out. And yeah. You don't need to really tell anybody about it. It's just an inner peace. And happiness. <laughs> right. Inner peace that comes with matching underwear. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, everybody can relate to that. So now yeah, all the all the all the women out there are totally nodding their heads like, yes, of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm glad you did put all the information in there about finishing because you know it is one of those things that when you're approaching a project, it's a great thing to consider. Like, you know, right to consider it from the outset, and that's why I wanted to offer several different ways to do it because there's some ways that have to be done before you begin other steps, and there's others other seam finishings that it's, it's okay if you kind of forgot to finish the seam um, until you were done. You can go back and do it this way, you know? Yeah. So I'm all about doing things in the wrong order. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you can do a book and kind of organize them. So it sounds like this was a good way for you to be able to kind of, um, you know, kind of organize what you know about sewing. Yeah. And I honestly didn't know I knew as much as I did. <laughs> well, that isn't that a great surprise then? It's to... a good surprise. And um, <laughs> the fact that I just could sit down and write about it, I surprised me. I mean, of course, little things here and there, I definitely, um, it's fun to see it all organized in a spot, even for me, you know, um, I find myself, I'm sure that most people, when they get a pattern or a book, they, they, at least you're supposed to read through the whole project before you start the first step, right? Right. Kind of visualize it like a Bob's letter, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but I mean, I find myself like reading my own words of how to put in a zipper and it just, it's, so satisfying. <laughs> something so satisfying about like visualizing it and reading it and going, oh yeah, that's how, oh yeah, and then you do that, yeah, that's what you do next, you know. <laughs> It'd be just me. Yeah, no, that's great. I think, well, I think it's a wonderful accomplishment too to be able to, I mean, organize all the stuff because it really, I mean, sewing is complicated at times. 
you know, not to turn off any of the rookies out there. I mean, there are things that, um, you know, can be intimidating as you get to, you know, you up your game and you're like, okay, I'm going to the next level here. You know, it can be kind of scary because you invest so much time and a lot of money in fabric and you want it to turn out. It's not like you go to the shopping mall and you try on an outfit. Oh, no, that doesn't work. Um, And if you you make yourself a dress and it doesn't go so well, you can't just like take it back. (laughs) No, not not at all. You're stuck. That's why quilting is good, but... (laughs) Yeah, quilting, uh, the, the fit is not an issue, you know. Well, but also, like, you know, you can cut that dress up. and <laughs> Exactly. Oh, oh, I see. You're, the use. Then you then you take up quilting if the dressmaking doesn't go. Then you take up go. quilting by default. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, yeah, I think that, I mean, that just that alone, too, makes me think of how, I know, I think I included at least in the book somewhere, at least I hope I did. Like, I always just think it's such a good idea when you have definitely invested in your fabric to keep around some, like, $1.99 muslin. Um, especially when you're fitting a pattern to yourself for the first time mm-hmm. and give yourself a chance to go ahead and make it up in muslin. I know that's a big time suck, but make it up in muslin first so you can really fit it to your body. Even if you don't sew it all together, just pin it together in muslin first, basically mock it up. And that gives you, um, a good read on how you should cut the size and, um, alter it if necessary, but also it gives you a good um, opportunity to do a run-through on the pattern before you start cutting up your nice fabric. You right. Know? And that is so much more affordable. I mean, so affordable, and this one's kind of cute. So I actually <laughs> um, turned it into a nightgown. <laughs> it sounds insane, but I actually love. I have a bolt, a bolt of each. Uh, I have bolts and bolts of muslin. Yeah, I, I absolutely love muslin and, um, and all the different shades of cream and tan. Yeah, it's one of my favorite fabrics, and Thank it sounds you. crazy because there's all these great prints out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I love muslin. Thank no, you very I much. Do. Yeah. Well, because you also can do your own prints on it, too, if you want to. You know, there's right. embroidery and so forth. But, yes, definitely. But, yeah, so that's a great idea, though. It can save people the hassle of um, or the disappointment of cutting up the precious fabric. They had to work up the nerve to cut in the first place and then yep. disaster. So. Definitely. <laughs> so, and I, ha- I, mean, I have to remind myself of that because obviously there's no shortage of fabric around here. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and I sell scrap bags, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't waste anything. Yeah. I mean, I will screw something up every now and then and just be like, ah, forget it. And I just throw it into the scrap bin just because I always wonder like what people do when they get one of my scraps out of a bag. It's like, oh, that's shaped like a sleeve, you know, right. <laughs> oh, look, an armhole, hey, a collar. You know? Oh, that's funny. Well, I guess that's the thrill of the discovery there is to figure that's out right. like, what was she trying to make with this? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So was there, were there any surprises along the way as you're working on this book? I mean, was there anything um, that just really that you had no idea that it was going to turn in this direction? I mean, anything that was unexpected? I'm really um, excited that the book did get to be so visual because I felt like I felt like even though they told me, yes, of course, it's important. You're a designer. We want it to be visual. We want it to be visually about you. I still felt like the whole time I was fighting for more space for photographs and fighting for more space for illustrations. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and and honestly, the the real surprise came in getting that book for the first time about a week ago and um, holding it in my hands. And I'm like, wow, it's quite visual, you know, because the writing felt, just doing the process of the writing felt like such the larger part. Right. Um, and so in, in my mind... I, I saw the body of writing as just being this huge thing. And yes, I've done all these photographs and illustrations, but knowing how many things continued to get cut, I think the big, I think the big surprise is just seeing it all come together. I mean, the process was not a surprise to me. I knew it was going to be a lot of hard work. I had talked to a few friends in the industry um, who have written books and um, a few almost all but warned me against doing it at all because, how much time, I mean, knowing what else I do for a living. Right, right, because you have a whole other business. I've got a whole other business to run and um, other projects to keep up with, not to mention um, all the humans in our house. Exactly, you're a mother of five, yes. We'll remind people who don't know, yeah. Yeah, so um, it was a lot to take on, and that was not a surprise to me. I think the biggest surprise is that I did it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all because, I mean, even though, um, you know, just as an outsider looking at your life and what you, everything you're doing, you know, fabric designer and all these other design projects you do and just having your own time to, like, craft and sew and do right. things to make you feel sane. Um, the fact that you're so good at multi- multitasking because you have to be if you have five people that you're caring for. Right. You know, you have your husband and you're, I mean, he, he of course, helps you out. You know, Incredibly you're not solely so, doing yes. um, this yourself. In fact, we'll give... in my dedication, he was so, it was, 
I think Jeff was really apprehensive about me taking this on, mostly because he worries about me taking too much on, because that's definitely my tendency. Um, and he gets the bad end of that. Oh, yeah, my <laughs> Jeff does play. too. Yeah, my Jeff he is the same in the same boat. <laughs> but, um, you know, in, the, in my acknowledgments and thanking Jeff in the book, I, you know, thanked him for his incredible support and both pushing me away from, pushing me towards and pulling me away from my manuscript. Right. And he knew when to do that, you know, yeah, when even to... though I fought him every single time, you know, and it was true. Like, I mean, there were times like, I can't do it. No more. No. You know, like, get in there and write. You know? <laughs> and then other times it'd be like three o'clock in the morning and he'd be, you know, he couldn't sleep because I was in there typing because our stu- the studio's right next to our bedroom. And, um, or if he'd roll over and know I wasn't there, he'd be like, that's enough. Stop. I'm like, no, I'm really going now. You know? <laughs> That time be damned. I'm going to write. Because <laughs> sometimes you really, I, I mean, I would get into this flow and yeah. everything would come out so smoothly and right. I'd be feeling super smart and it, it all like worked together and I and you didn't want to give that up. Right. You, you don't want to shut it down, even though you know the little ones will be waking up and Ugh. you're in mama mode in the morning. So how did you do that? Because if you're up at 3 a.m. writing and then yeah. y- your life starts, what time does, do things start rolling in your house in About the morning? six. And, okay. Um, Thank God they are extremely self-sufficient. <laughs> so self-sufficient, it kind of makes me feel guilty. But I think that's typical in large families. Kids just really tend to do for themselves a lot sooner. And it's kind of because they have to. You right. Because, yeah. And right. not in a, you know, really neglectful way. <laughs> that's just life. You know what I mean? Right. I, just, um, I think they're better off for that. But <clears throat> that's my tough love coming out. But, um <laughs> My kids definitely knew I was writing a book, and they, um, you know, sometimes they'd be like, come on, get up, have breakfast, and like, oh, bring your bowl of cereal in my bed, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. um, I mean, I think the hardest part for the kids was, aren't you done with the book yet? Because there's like 12 different times when you can say you're done. You right, like, right. It's written, oh, wait, then you get it back. It's done, oh, wait, then you get it back, you know what I mean? And And obviously taking on the photography and all the little things in between. I didn't have to take on the photography, definitely, but, and I don't, you know, on future projects, God willing, if there are some, I, I think there will be, in fact, but um, I I don't necessarily have to photograph every book I do. I don't, like, I'm not that much of a control freak. Um, but I do think it's great for me to have, um, totally veering off another subject now, I don't know how, but um, it's great to have done this one. So it's like my little style guide. <laughs> so in the future, you know, on another title, if I should be working with a photographer, I have something to refer to. And, and say, say, this is my, like this is kind of what I like, yeah. Like this, but more like that or, you know, so. So it sounds like, would you, so it sounds like for your, for your next book, I mean, would you like to not have to do the photography? Would you rather someone else do it? It was a lot. It was a whole lot. Um, I think that sometimes it's healthy to let another perspective in. Um I'd be really picky about who that person is, and I don't, basically, I mean, with the photography budget that was offered, and with the prices that I know that photographers charge, I wasn't sure I could get what I wanted with the first book. Oh, I see. Okay. And um, I don't even know if I should say that, but... And it was no, I think this is one of those things that... Um, <laughs> it was a big budget, but yeah. let me tell you, it's, good photographers don't come cheap, and they shouldn't because it's a lot of work. And it's not something you can do, hey, let's get together this weekend and shoot the book. I mean, right. it's a back and forth. I mean, I think some books are shot that way. <laughs> well, and you can tell, though, when they're shot that way. This one couldn't be. Yeah. So, um, or not the way I wanted it to be. Um, so, anyway, I do think that there's books where that's more of a possibility, where you can do all the shooting over a week, or you can have two or three different sessions and pack a lot in. But, um, you know, so, I mean, it's a, it, it's a process. It's, it's hard to share. <laughs> yeah, well, also, too, I mean, because a lot of the photos were taken at your friend's house, right? Is that correct? Yeah, my friend Tracy. Yeah. His, um, gorgeous old farm house. Yeah, and, and I mean. A lot of acres. And, and you're friends with her, so you could say, hey, Tracy, um, can I come over this weekend? Yeah, you know, that was all, I mean, she's definitely that type of friend, too. Well, right? and if you had an outside photographer, um, yeah, it's kind of different because then it brings somebody else in, and you're just friends, and you can, Yeah, you know, it was just an open-door policy, and we live very similar, similarly in terms of how we um, – you know, 
prepare ourselves for guests and <laughs> or not prepare ourselves for guests. And I mean, she just was like, okay, I'm not going to be there today, but you go ahead and leave the door open for me. And she's just really laid back. And Well, she um, probably didn't feel like she had to hire like a house cleaning no, service no, no, to clean no. the entire house yeah, top, top to bottom, where if you have outside people, like for me, I mean, if I have a friend over, it's one thing, but if you have like an outside professional coming in, yeah. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I need four to six weeks to prepare, you know? No, <laughs> I mean, it's true. And that's how so. it because I did not shoot the cover of the book. And there are one... There's like two, I think, other photographs in the book that um, were shot by Becky Lugert. I think how you pronounce her last name. I always pronounce her last name wrong. Stainer. And um, she did a beautiful job shooting the cover. But that was a very, that was so stressful for me, shooting the cover of the book. Oh, my gosh. I, what's so funny is that they had to uh, spend about two months talking me into being on the cover of the book. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be. And, um, you know, and once they finally convinced me of, being on it, it was so funny what I went through, and, and we thought it was going to be like a full like room seeing me on the couch sewing, which it is, but it's so close up because we all liked it so much better. But when I think of the time and effort spent on hair, makeup, clothing, painting the wall. <laughs> oh, you painted a wall for this? I painted the wall three times. Oh no! To get the color that I wanted, and then it's a tight shot of just your and hands and a quilt. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me. I mean, that's just that's a perfect like illustration of just exactly how it goes. Well, you're but, on the back of the book. I mean, full. We can actually see you. Yeah, and in back. fact, that I had that was after the shoot for the cover, and she was taking some tight shots in the studio of projects just because we thought we may end up using some of hers. You know, throughout the book, we we. Didn't use as many as we thought we would, but um, that was like after I had changed. I'm like, okay, I'm putting my hair in a ponytail and getting into my jeans. And so, but that was a much better way, I think, to do it because it was much more real. <laughs> yeah. And I think it also just, I mean, that's, and that's part of, that's your appeal too, I think, with the people that follow you is that you don't try to, I mean, at least the impression that we get from, you know, my, I, I know from my conversations with you and also just reading your blog is that you're not putting on this, you know, fake presentation of what your life is you know it, it really comes across as being okay this this woman is in her studio in a pair of jeans working on stuff and really happy doing it and right. that photo on the back is exactly that you know yep, so um it. but it is funny how you know you go through you know like i'm gonna have to put up on you know makeup and you know try to look presentable on because my mom is so funny i when i'm gonna do this tv thing next week and she's like she's like um you're gonna wear some makeup right now. I <laughs> because i normally i'm I so plain jane in my daily thing and I'm like well I don't want to look you know completely ghostly you know oh my god but... and speaking of makeup <laughs> <laughs> so when we um when I was looking through all the photographs and we had settled and I didn't even know that they were going to put I thought the um author photo would be the little book inside book jacket one right so, right they're like no we're going to put it on the back I'm like oh, okay and um but I mean I was more happy with that photograph and I mean I liked the cover photograph we had come up with but it was extremely posed I felt more like a um you know, I felt more like a, a model of myself than I felt like what I actually do. And so that's why I ended up liking that back photo a lot more. And I felt more appropriate than the cover one that we had chosen previously. But anyway, so I got the final photo back. And I, my daughter and I, Juliana, were looking at it. She's my oldest. And it, she was like, do your eyes look funny? I'm like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, my eyes look kind of funny. Like, what's going on? Is my face, like, puffy or flat? And... They had airbrushed little crow's feet out of under my eyes. What? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm not old. <laughs> and I'm also not a model. And I'm also not selling tampons. And <laughs> I'm like, what is it? So I wrote to the, uh, the I'm like, tampons. what is going on underneath my eyes? And they were like, oh, there's some dark shadowing and just a few little tiny wrinkles. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Will you please give me the raw, uncut version of my face? <laughs> So oh I made him change it back, but yeah, because like kind of squinting the picture because of the way I'm smiling anyway. But previous, like the whole kind of like the bulge underneath my eye, you know, from it's your gone. eyeball, just completely you know, gone. Just like the typical roundness under your eye when you're smiling, right? And just a few little wrinkles out in the corner, very subtle. Like they, it was totally smoothed out, and 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 I don't know who did it. I don't think they were necessarily authorized to do it, but I think that that's just what they do. And I was like, okay, that's crazy. I'm sewing. <laughs> you know, like I'm supposed to look like a person. <laughs> this isn't like I, a Victoria's Secrets catalog or something, which, um, you know, people just look half alive. In those days. Oh, oh it was really, really funny. But anyway, and I mean, the, the photograph is, has kind of the nice, soft 
blur on it anyway, so it's not like it. No, you look great, and you don't look old at all, for Pete's sakes. I mean, how how old are you now? How old are you now? I mean, you're not. I mean, I'm a total of 36. Oh, for Pete's sakes. I know. And yeah. so I was just like, what is going on See, there? See, and it's sad that we live in a culture thing. where people are feeling they need to airbrush 36-year-olds' faces. It's well, like, the fact <laughs> that they would assume that I would want them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, oh, goodness. You but know, you, look, you look great. And, there's, a yeah. lot of, um, there's a lot of people involved in the process that my my editor has nothing to do with and they right. things come through and they just do them. Well, you know? you know, and the thing is, I mean, with technology as it is, I think people just assume, oh, it's a no brainer. I'm just going to airbrush this or I'm going right. to, cause they have the tools at their disposal and they're like, oh, I'll just, you know, right. I'm going to make everything look great, you know? And I mean, I admit, I mean, I looked in the mirror, um, there's a photo on our 10th anniversary. My husband took a picture of me, um, like sitting across the table from him just with his phone. And, um, when I looked at it, it was a very close shot of my face and I'm smiling and laughing, you know, and I had looked and I'm like, wow, I have the, I have the crow's feet on the side of my eyes, but then I'm like, that's yeah, kind of neat. Like, I, I was, have that. yeah, but no, I was just like, oh, I never really noticed, but then I'm like, I laugh a lot, like all the time. So I am Me like, too. I am like really wearing these, these creases in my face. And I'm like, you know what? I think that's wonderful. I'm glad I laugh a lot. Yeah. I'm glad I have, I squint up my face when I laugh. Exactly. You know, I'm never going to do anything to paralyze my face with Botox or anything. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I want to be able to squint up my eyes and laugh. And, um, and I just think it's, I know when I've always looked at older women in my life, like, you know, your grandmas and, right. you know, I love the fact that you, I would look at their faces with like, it's such, I mean, it's like, wow, their whole life. It's like a map of their life, you know, on their face. And I I love that. So I will not want to airbrush anything um, (laughs) on my face either. So yeah, that's just a a bizarre, bizarre tale of uh, book writing. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Yeah. Cause you don't think about that when you agree to do a book that someone's going to be airbrushing your face (laughs) during the course of the process. I'm looking at other books. like really funny. Like, I wonder if she's there. I wonder who's airbrushed. Is that a question I should be asking now? Is so um, is your author photo airbrushed? <laughs> I, exactly. Well, and it, it's like I just I just felt like that was so weird. I'm like, no, it's a sewing book. Like I'm not like how to look younger book or you know what I mean? It was I don't know. Well, maybe they're trying to go for like if you sew it will keep you young. You know, which I do believe that these handcrafted things do keep you young. But um, you don't—you didn't need any help, though. That's the thing that cracks me well, up about I didn't it. Think so. No, I don't think so at all. Because you don't look your age. I mean, Good. you don't look thirty-six. I don't so my age either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always want to continue to act like a, a child and be amused by things that children are amused by. So <laughs> that's kind of my way to roll in this life. But are you going to be doing a, a book tour? Are you going to be going out to meet the public? You know, it's amazing the way the internet is. I mean. It's definitely the book itself is already circulating a lot online and so forth, and I, I'm not doing any major tour. <laughs> yeah, connected with the book, you know, it's it's a busy time of year with the holidays coming up, and they knew that you know I've got a pretty busy family life, and so we didn't really plan a lot of things, but some things might still come up. So I mean, it's it's getting a lot of um, attention in some different magazines and things like that, and. Like I said, I get online, so just a few things here and there, but nothing major. So well, you have a large enough following, just people that look at your blog and and you know buy your fabric and watch what you're doing. That I think this is going to be something where you're not just coming out of nowhere, where no one's ever heard of you, and you're trying to sell a book. Where it's probably less necessary for you to get on the plane and go everywhere. Of course, everyone would love to see you. <laughs> you know, so if you do decide to come to Grand Rapids, Michigan, let me know. Um, <laughs> and then we, I can take you personally to the fabric stores that don't carry your fabric and say, listen, we have a totally to have. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Cause we actually had that discussion at craft club and people are just so frustrated that, um, you know, there's some, you know, great designers that we love to see locally. So you can, cause there's nothing, it's not the same if you can't walk into a store and actually my, my like personal campaign. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, it's just it's like I want to be able to go into the store and like see the fabric, touch this fabric, match right, it with other I fabrics, know. and um, yeah, we're not getting that opportunity here in West Michigan, I but know. we're gonna keep I complaining get a lot of about it. About that, um, as though I can control it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really it, it's funny to me. I'm, I appreciate that people want to be able to have my fabric in their shops that are nearby, but it's not a it's not mass. You know what I mean? And that's what um, because people who are into the craft and online community, see it it's so prevalent. Um, several designers work. It's kind of funny that it's not everywhere, but it's not. You know, it's, right. it's an independent retailer, right? And it's in re- and, and a lot of independent retailers don't buy a lot of the new stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, you know, I don't. But 
anyone that looks for it has access to it online. Absolutely. And see, that's the beauty of it, is that you yeah. can, you can, and there are plenty the of... The great thing is, too, is that once you familiarize yourself with just Westminster or Free Spirit or Rowan, you know the quality of their fabrics and colors. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. So once you familiarize, familiarize yourself just with the manufacturer, any designer in the manufacturer is going to have the same beautiful substrates of fabrics and... You know, you can kind of have a little bit of confidence ordering there because I do think that's hard to order online, you know. Right. Um, not being able to feel it and get a perfect color read. I've never been a real matcher with fabric from one thing to another, whether in clothing or home or whatever. So I'm less concerned about exact colors of things. But some people really want it to be an exact color, this or that, you know. Yeah. So um, so that can be kind of tough, but um, most people should have a swatch policy. <laughs> Or a return policy, so. Yeah, and it's, well, and it might actually be better, because I think sometimes when you get into the um, fabric store, you can be completely overwhelmed yeah. by all everything around you, where on the, online you can kind of click. Of it is so nice, though, too. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a great experience, but yeah, yeah, we're gonna keep working on folks here in West Michigan, though, because we would <laughs> like to see it in the store, so we'll see what we can do, but, um, so, do you have, are you designing as well right now? I mean, are you, do you have another fabric line coming out? Because I know you had two it's come out. Today, I um, I actually did sneak in another line for fall. Oh wow! I You've been very busy. It's crazy, but um, it's it, just one that I wanted to do. It's not a huge line. It's well, you know, Garden Party was really big. It's forty-four fabrics. Wow! And the new collection is called Good Folks, and it's slightly folky. <laughs> and um, but also the the thoughts behind it were sort of like um, old friends that stay around <laughs> because I reprinted three prints from past collections. Um, there's two prints from the Bohemian collection, which I'm continually getting emails of people crying that they can't find it anywhere anymore. <laughs> a couple of years old and out of print. And I reprinted two prints from that, and um, I reprinted kind of a, 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 a kind of a background pattern of one of my patterns for drawing room. So, but um, it's 24 fabrics and in a Byzantine palette and an Adriatic palette. It's very worldly and folky and colorful and fun and so I actually just today I was not expecting it at all like I said you know I'm preparing for quilt market right now and I still have a lot of sewing to do I leave in less than I leave in six days and oh goodness I have probably oh hours and hours of sewing to do I didn't expect to get good folks in um, and to be able to show it because it actually probably won't ship until December or January okay and so I didn't really think I'd even have fabrics other than a few tiny little swatches that I have from the, um, the mill. But I got five yards of everything just today. So wow. Like, Yay, all these samples that I sew, I can actually sew up in the new goods. So, so. you're going to have to get uh, Juliana down there to help you um, cut this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Although she's really excited about these fabrics, so I bet I could get her in to help me out some. But So that's great. And I also, and, uh, you know, I'm already drawing spring 09 um, fabric collection that will follow that up. And, wow. And then... I am also introducing my first four individual sewing patterns. Excellent. At market. So, so what, um, are the, what are the patterns for? There are four patterns. There's two bag patterns and two garment patterns. The garments are, um, there's a dress called the socialite dress. And those of you that have seen my garden party ad in some magazines and also just saw my presentation of garden party on my blog, there's an image of Juliana wearing... Um, is it that red dress? Yeah, the red and brown and purple. Yeah. Yeah, that's the socialite dress. Oh, how pretty. And, um, but it's got pockets. It's very, like, nice and figure flattering to the shoulders, but very comfortable, <laughs> which is why I call it the socialite dress, because the socialite is hopping from one party to the next and right. she doesn't want to suck her stomach in, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love After it. all those meals and appetizers, no. And for all the moms out there, you know, we, exactly. we appreciate so that kind very, of design. It's a pretty dress, easy to come together. It's got pockets, so just depending on the fabrics you use, it can be extremely casual or, you know, extremely fancy, too. So, And then the skirt is called the Steady Hall Skirt. It's just a cute little cakey kind of pleated thing, and I have, like, a little blur of that on my blog right now. When I was doing the photo shoot for that, there's a, a couple posts back. There's an image of Juliana rushing off the scene there wearing this um, Steady Hall Skirt. Cool. And the bags are, I have a large bag called the Multitasker Tote, and then I have a small, um, not tiny, but a kind of medium-sized clutch called the Ruthie Clutch that I named after my grandmother. So, so I'm really excited. So I'll be showing those patterns at market and um, be showing them on my website and blog probably in about within the next couple of weeks, but still having some final print things to do and having a whole, like, 
pattern to devote to one project so luxurious compared to the book. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. Where, you know, because, I mean, when you think about the actual visual space that one project is taking up of this three to four pages, it's a short amount of space to show all the illustrations and all that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. So, the sewing pattern is definitely quite luxurious in terms of all the space that you have for illustration and um, directions and the pattern and all that. So I'm still getting some final printing details worked out, but hopefully those will start arriving in stores in December, just right, basically about the same time as the fat new fabric, probably end of December, beginning of January. So, so. are you doing that through your fabric uh, company? Or are you doing I'm that? I'm doing it on my own. Are you doing it on your own? Okay. They are distributing them for me. Okay. So any retailers that order my fabrics can also will be able to order my pattern and the book. Actually, they're distributing the book as well. So. Westminster has been really wonderful about supporting us as designers and just sort of letting us each follow our own path and do what they can to help facilitate it, you know. So. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, it works for them, too, because, I mean, you raise your profile, then your fabric well, they becomes want to be more one popular. Stop shopping for, you know, retailers who, you know, are looking for what you work on. So, yes, I'm excited. I'm very excited about doing the sewing patterns. In fact, that was something that I was embarking on. Oh, gosh, probably almost two years ago, and then I got approached to do the book. So a lot of ideas that I have for patterns kind of got filtered into the book. Oh, I see. Yeah, because it must be hard. I mean, and I think sometimes people worry like, oh, I got to save this idea. But it's like I find that when I let ideas go, more new ideas come in to fill the space, you know? They do. <laughs> yeah. So they that's... do, and sometimes they show up in better ways later on. You know? Right, right. So, um, yeah, so staying very, very busy here. I, uh, But I am trying to... I always say this. Well, I don't always say it, but I'm really trying to live just slightly more minimalistically these days and things that I take on. I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to be asked to take on more things that I agree to <laughs> lately um, as far as working on projects with companies. But I'm just, the most important thing to me is to do what makes sense. Right. You know? And um, design-wise, as far as just doing surface and textile design, to um, you know continue to do things that really just correlate with my fabric designs. I have, um, I just launched a line of needlepoint pillows and hand-tucked rugs on my website that I'm, I have a manufacturing partner for. I launched those this late summer and they're doing really well. And another collection of aprons is going to be in my shop that I did for them in November. And I've already, let's see, wrapped up another one for spring and then more pillows and rugs for next holiday and also next fall, I guess. So they work really, really far out, like 18 months out. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so some more home goods are coming along. And, um, and which company is that that's working on? Um, it's called Peking Handicraft. Okay. They're based out of San Francisco. So they sell at independent retailers all over the country as well and also department stores sometimes too. But um, they do really beautiful work, and they've also been good to me about like letting me have a lot of freedom of translating my fabric designs into their formats. And, um, and it's a fun way for me to reinvent these designs. Like, for instance, I reinvented um, Garden Party a bit to be even more, just slightly more kitschy and slightly more vintage-y um, for some table linens and textiles and aprons and kitchen towels and things that will come out in the spring, and I'm really excited about those. And um, What else? I have um, C.R. Gibson is introducing a stationary collection from some garden party and some drawing room things as well in the spring. So. That's great. So then when you come up with your designs, do you hold the copyright then for that yes. so you can translate it into these other other yes. formats? Okay. That's correct. I, um, yeah, I'm the sole copyright holder of all the designs, and um, so you know I can um, expand those across different categories of products. And um, like I said before, I mean, there's, there's a lot of companies that do lots of different things, and I get approached sometimes to on this or that, but sometimes like, eh, it doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm not really interested in that as a product myself. So, you know. Well, that's great to be able to design something and kind of like use it in a variety of different formats because if there's someone who doesn't sew but they want to make a rug or do something that's needlepoint, right. you know, that's really great. Well, and that's what, that's what I kind of find exciting is that I, mean, I love the idea that someone has one of my rugs and then, you know, and, and the rugs and pillows that I brought out this fall were based on garden party designs, but they're a little different. The palette's just slightly different, but overall mostly the same. But not so much so that if they sewed with some garden party fabrics, you know, nearby on some bedding or pillows, that it's not so matchy-matchy. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Everything's kind of um, designed to have a lot of depth if you should choose to use both some of my finished home goods and then also, you know, to, to be a sewer. You know, but I... I get emails from people a lot. They're like, oh, I love your stuff, but I don't sew. You know what I mean? Right, like, and you're yeah. like, well, I have something for you. <laughs> yeah, so, and on that same line, Westminster is actually um, developing some finished goods themselves with our fabrics because they are very often approached 
by some small and not so small manufacturers who want to buy up our fabrics and create their own finished goods. For instance, like baby bedding companies will buy up bolts and bolts of our fabrics to make goods. Um, but so, you know, Westminster has taken a strong clue from that. It's like, you know, we can just manufacture some things ourselves. So um, they're really looking at fabrics. And I think it's just the general turn of the sewing industry, how it's actually influencing what's happening in finished goods and gift and mm-hmm. clothing, you know, how much it's inspiring everything that you see out there, um, that they're, you know, we're developing, basically they're coming to us and saying, if you have some finished products you want to design with your fabrics, we'll manufacture them for you and we'll put them at gift market and we'll, you know, we'll distribute them and that sort of thing. So that just opens up a whole new door. You know, if I want to design finished handbags, if I want to design finished bedding and, and that sort of thing with my fabrics, then I have the freedom to do that and they'll facilitate it. So Well, that's great. It is. It's a little overwhelming. It's like, where do I start? <laughs> right. And you have to have like about 80 hours more in a week. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you have the um, reputation now where people know you can do all these things. They're like, oh, well, maybe she wants to do this, that, and the other thing. And right. <laughs> how do you make a, a conscious effort to kind of give yourself downtime and spend time with your family? I mean, what, do you, what do you what? do to give yourself – oh, you never, you never have any downtime. I've never yeah. heard of that. <laughs> no, I um, – recently, just really over the past couple of months, and it, I'm probably going to have to say it's after the completion of this book, I have really just insisted on getting out of the studio at about 5 o'clock every night. Yeah. And um, – been wonderful <laughs> and um i'm just so glad they're all still here <laughs> <laughs> my family i'm glad they didn't leave in this whole process but i mean it's just really insisting on it and realizing the world's not going to fall apart if you missed a few emails that day you know right um i can't be very good at what i do if i'm just at the point of exhaustion or burnout you know so um it's just something that i really have to be disciplined about and i'm getting better at and um and like I said, you know, it's a blessing that I'm working with a lot less companies and fewer projects, but just more important ones and ones that I'm allowing to grow um, on their own some. I mean, at one point I had about 18 different contracts with different companies on different things, and that was before I got into a lot of fabric. That was when I was doing lots of different giftware and paperwares and lots of things. It's just so much to keep up with, and you're also continually presenting ideas, but... Um, I'm thankfully past that stage where I have just a handful of companies who are, are just waiting for the next thing that I do. I'm not constantly pitching it to them. You know what I mean? Oh, so that's nice. I have some um, assurance there now and probably just a little bit more at ease with my work that it, it's still going to be there even if I'm not um, actively pursuing something constantly, you know? so Right. So you can give um, yourself a little break if you need one. Yeah. So it takes the edge off. It takes the anxiety off. And... Um, it's a good place to be, and I feel very fortunate for that, and um, I hope it continues. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, my kids are getting bigger. Lenny, the youngest, is almost five, and um, they've got their own little lives, you know, and they all go to school now. And um, so I, I managed to get some things done in the day, much more so than I did just a couple of years ago with a little one at home. And um, I, I think that the time that I do have in the studio these days is much more directed than it has been in the past. So um, I, I feel... Um, I, I feel I've earned um, getting out of there at a decent time every day. <laughs> yeah, so you're able to have dinner with the family and, right. you know, feel like you have a normal after-work yeah, life. Yeah, like cooking at night and, you know, oh, my gosh, all the takeout food that we ate and the pizza and the <laughs> 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 breakfast for dinner, breakfast for dinner. What is it, from Juno, I think? <laughs> <laughs> We're making your favorite. It's breakfast for dinner. <laughs> we always say that because we love breakfast. Yeah, I've actually had to do breakfast for dinner twice last week to get through. Here, go for <laughs> dinner. Yeah, it's like okay, yep. we're not going to do a drive-through, but we got to do something quick. So here we go. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we did a lot of those, but I'm, I'm back in the swing of things and making meals for people. <laughs> it makes me really, really, really happy. Like last night, I probably spent. It was ridiculous. I just had a craving for um, fresh mozzarella and spinach stuffed chicken. You know. Oh wow, that sounds great. It's no time at all. No. Uh. <laughs> but I, I was like, I just. Knew that Jeff was going to be home a little bit late, and um, I spent two and a half hours making dinner, which was ridiculous. I kept apologizing. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I just really wanted this, and but man, I just relished in the process of just taking time making dinner. It was wonderful. You know? Yeah, especially when you've been so busy, you know, and been so busy. And I and I should be sewing 24 hours a day based on what I have to do, but. You know, I think that's why I like hand sewing a lot because, for instance, there were some pillows I was going to put together for my quilt market booth that I decided, you know, I'm just going to hand sew these and I'm going to make them more kind of embroidery, hand sewn, patchy, running stitch put together 
so that I can do it in my lap in front of the TV with the family instead of being stuck in my studio at night. You know what I mean? So I think that's why I love quilting because I can be in the midst of my family when I'm doing it and, you know, that sort of thing instead of always in front of the sewing machine, you know? Right. Even though I love that, I, you know, I don't want to hoard myself up. <laughs> well, yeah, you can be a little more um, participate with family life, you know, with, exactly. yeah. So what do you, when you're not sewing, I know you like to crochet. I love to crochet. So is that what you is that what you consider like I've kind of? I've really rec- been craving it, and it's a weather thing. You know how we all get. Oh, I know. I'm like seriously. I'm like I need to make oh, something. Oh, I have a daydream in the middle of the day, like oh, I want to make a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, something I think that has really helped kind of my frame of mind over these past few months too is something that I've promised myself forever um, to get on a regular schedule of, but I'm just been so much more successful at it these past couple of months is um, getting out and running with my dog Leo, and we're lucky enough to live across from a arboretum. Which oh, is, cool. I didn't know what the word arboretum was forever. I swear I, I missed something in school, but it's a tree park. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's essentially, for us, it's, a, it's this beautiful um, trail just right across the street from our home that is basically about a mile and a half long, and um, it runs by a creek and through the woods, and it's paved, and it's just gorgeous. And so I've been taking um, Leo for a two-mile run a few times a week for the past uh, past couple months, and it's and it's done a lot for me. So I def- that's definitely on my list of kind of things that I need to keep me sane these days because we've both gotten used to it now. And he, I'll be sitting at the computer typing away or working, and he'll just come stay next to me and rest his head on my lap and look at me like, are we going? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't dogs great that way? Yeah. They are great that way. In fact, yesterday I was, um, of course, I don't know if this was great, but my, uh, my house is kind of looking like my quilt market booth right now. I have a few of the panels um, that I'm doing some hand painting on. Um, in the dining room because it's the only place where we have tall ceilings that we could get them in and out easily. But I was sitting on the floor painting and the dog was literally like, and he's a hundred pound dog, mind you. He's just laying across my lap <laughs> everywhere I went. The dog, if I'd get up and move two feet, he'd get up and come with me. And I swear the dog is like, he loved me before, but ever since we started running, he's got this major bond with me. Oh, that's Like great. I better stay right next to her just in case she walks out the door. Yeah. Yeah. They're, so, they're um, great creatures. I, I do love getting outside. Definitely. And getting some exercise, and yeah, but besides crochet, I mean, I really do like to cook. I like to garden. I'm just kind of boring and typical. But um, you know, the what I go through here to do any of that is never boring or typical. Right, right. <laughs> it's always an adventure. <laughs> so, how, how, do your kids now that they're getting older? Are they crafting with you? I mean, do they come into your studio and want to work with My you? My kids are. Um, every one of them is an incessant drawer. Um, Isabella is the fourth, and she's seven years old, and She's much more of a maker as far as pulling in lots of different materials and um, cutting and pasting and things like that. But my sons just, they draw all the time. My daughter, Juliana, draws all the time. And Eleni does, I mean, they just really, there's a lot going on in their heads and it's all coming out on paper, which is great. I don't, as far as them being in the studio, they, I mean, that seems to be much more directed. Like, we'll have something specific, we'll come in the studio and do it. But those kids are all over the house drawing all the time and coloring and, um, really nothing out of the ordinary as far as materials and stuff that they make. I mean, Juliana is continuing to sew. I think there's maybe four or five different dresses started now, and I haven't finished, of course. <laughs> she just moves on after... It's like she completes the idea of it in her mind, and she's bored. <laughs> Which sounds very typical and familiar to me, but she's in an honors art program at school right now, which is wonderful. She's a junior, and um, it's, a, it's she's at a point with that class where they're allowing the children or kids, young adults, to do um, <laughs> independent study. And it's allowing them to really start exploring sort of what they're interested in on a bigger art level. And Juliana wants to design clothing and very set on going to New York and being a designer and all these things. And so she is basically being allowed to kind of explore that in her art class, which is wonderful. You know? Wow, that is great. Yeah. So, I mean, her teacher is just really facilitating. Like, she just bought her the, um, a book called Fruits, and it's just all about this kind of Harajuku designers, you know, and um, the way Japanese kids dress. There's a book. It's probably like 300 pages thick. It's nothing but photographs of street images of kids in Japan and these crazy wild outfits they put together. But wow. It's, it's the coolest thing to look at ever. It's so, I want to blog about it, actually. It's but it's just, I'm glad for her that she has an environment at home and at school that is helping facilitate what she's interested in artistically, you know. Yeah, well, and all that fabric that's being yeah. delivered to your house, too. a lot of fabric. Yeah. And she's so funny because she's, she makes no um, apology about liking or not liking something that I do, you know. 
And um, <laughs> our children are wonderful in that way. They're so yeah. cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she loves the good folks line probably more than she likes a handful of the other things that I've done. She's really picky, but I mean, she thinks of all of it in terms of clothing. Right. So that's a little bit. And that's not it. really what all your designs were intended for. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. They are a little bit. They're not. You know, some more than others, definitely. And or, or a different age range of clothing, I would say. You know, a lot of it is. Quilting fabrics are wonderful. All designs of quilting fabrics are wonderful for young girls, it seems like. Right. But, um, and I'm thinking about my fabrics in terms of clothing more than I did, I think, because of putting up the sewing patterns. So, um, but she, I just like, I'm actually taking her today to go get her driver's license. <laughs> so oh, wow. I can't wait to tell her this fabric came because she's going to be really excited. So. Yeah, and so she might get, come down and design a dress. Yeah, yeah. exactly. She'll yeah. start cutting some stuff up here in no time. Well, how fun. It's just great to have, you know, just have a, a to watch your children and see who they become, you know, oh, as yeah. they get older. It's, so it's, it's really exciting to see how they um, absorb and then radiate what they're interested in. And you know what was so meaningful to me just in regards to the book? And the kids is that, of course, they're splashed on a few pages of it as my little unpaid model. Right. <laughs> and um, this book has become like a little family album. I mean, they flip through it like they're looking at one of our photo albums. They're like, oh, look, there they are. And Eleni's favorite is, you know, Leo on the Doggy Dreams bed. And she's like, here's the Doggy Dreams bed. I'm like, I know. I photographed it for four hours. <laughs> it's just to see them be excited about it and to see themselves in it. And I finally had, um, I was telling, I was emailing a bit with Amanda Soul that writes the Soul Mom. Yeah, yeah. The other day that it was just so gratifying that, like, for the first time I felt like I did it for them instead of instead of them, you know. Right, right. For so long I felt like I was doing this book instead of being with the kids. And um, there's so much a part of it. And just my home in Tennessee and my my yard and my my friend's home and uh, different businesses in the area are a part of this book and it just makes me really glad well and i think when you pull your your family into the project and make it fun for them because obviously they like it they're picking it up and paging through um that is really really fun to be able to do something you love and involve the people you love so that's great, and and I think it just makes it, it just makes for I mean it makes for a great finished product too. I mean I think it's really um, the people folks at home have been waiting a long time to get their hands on this book, and <laughs> and yeah, and um, I think they're going to be happy. They're going to be really pleased because it's very inspiring, and I know I I wish I had more time, and I think I wrote on my blog that it made me want to call in sick. Well, I certainly appreciate you spending so much time with me and let me have a chance to talk about this. Yeah. Well, I think this is going to be so much fun and your book has already inspired me and um, I've been telling all the crafty people in my life about it. So, um, you know, um, (laughs) yeah, it's, I'm real excited about it and I just want to congratulate you because I think this is really fantastic. And um, I appreciate everything, the support and the props and the plugs and everything else. Thank you, Anna Maria, for coming back on Craft Sanity and telling us the story of how you made this beautiful book. We really appreciate that. And uh, for those of you who weren't reading her blog or maybe haven't looked in a while, since we last talked, and most of you, this is old news by now, Anna Maria and her husband Jeff are expecting number six. Yes, can you believe it? They are some brave folks. (laughs) I have two, and I feel like, wow, I, I really feel like I'm maxed out with two. Congratulations to you both. It's wonderful news. Well, this news isn't exactly as exciting as the impending birth of a child. We're going to have a giveaway with this episode. One winner is going to win a copy of Seems to Me, Anna Maria Horner's new book. The other winner is going to win some fabric from Anna Maria Horner. Thank you very much, Anna Maria, for donating that. The deadline to enter this is December 12th. That's a Friday. All you need to do to enter is just leave a comment on the blog under the write-up about this podcast, episode 90. It'll be at craftsanity.com. You'll find a little write-up about this episode. Leave a comment below. We'll randomly select a winner from that list of people. Good luck, everyone. And I'd like to take a moment to thank my sponsors once again for keeping me in the podcasting business. I really appreciate it. Thanks once again to Diane Hoffman. She's the owner of bsquarefabrics.com. And I looked on the website. It's really got some cool stuff, Japanese prints and also some just modern quilting fabrics. So if you're looking for something a little different, check out bsquarefabrics.com. 
see what Diane has to offer there. Also, I want to thank June Fafdaly, a graphic designer and, and a mixed media artist who sells her whimsical artwork and products over at junefafdaily.etsy.com. And she also blogs at junefafdaily.blogspot.com. Thanks so much, ladies, for supporting this episode of Craft Sanity. I really appreciate it. And all you folks at home, if you're interested in checking out sponsor links, those will be on the website. And uh, please do support them because they support me and keep me going with the podcast. So I really appreciate it. We can all help each other. If you want to be a sponsor, check out the sponsors link at craftsanity.com. So I think uh, with all that said, I'm going to let you get on with your day. And I'll be back soon with another episode of Craft Sanity. And my next guest, Alicia Polson, is on deck. I just talked to her recently about her lovely book, Stitched in Time. And we will be giving away a copy of her book as well. All these great sewing books out. I love it. I love to see all these great books. I hope you have a great week. And don't forget to Craft Sanity, my friends. It works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email Jennifer at CraftSanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.